the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. As always, we are brought to you by our friends at Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, empowering professional athletes and entertainers with everything they need to know to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. Learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. We have so much to get into today. So Big much. picture stuff from Mike today. Excited about that. Big picture stuff. Big picture well, before we get, stuff. All right, well, before we get into that, let's just go back to uh, we love money and sports and last year one of the big stories was the Raiders couldn't spend the money on Khalil Mack trade him to the Bears he gets the money Raiders are stupid Raiders beat the Bears and Mack yesterday (laughs) boom and that was only the beginning of like 47 other things that happened to the Raiders since then yeah yeah this has been a roller coaster did you hear the report that maybe Mack didn't want to play for Gruden too this was kind of like a mutual we don't want each other kind of thing did not see that. I didn't hear that no. either. Yeah, Jake Laser, who's generally on top of that side of it. So I, I wonder. I mean, that would wait. Make is a... this reporter Jake Laser or MMA Jake Laser? <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> right? Same, which, same which the one? guy. Same in one. <laughs> but that would make a little bit more sense, right? If, sure. If this was Max saying, "I'm not going to report," because you just don't let this guy walk. Now, the, there are some crazy stats. I, I, I did way too much nerdy homework yesterday. I was, I was, you know, bouncing all over the place. We and I love when you read. do nerdy. Sunday it was homework. raining a little bit. Yeah, well, that's London. So that's one. Yeah. That's one, right? But that should be that should be plus defense right there, right? The weather, sure. the weather should should be an advocate to the defense. But def- big time defenses that go to London never pan out. Really, never pan out. Statistically speaking, you you should bet against the defensive side of the ball in London. It is. I'm trying to think if there would be a reason for that. I don't know. Or just a coincidence. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me because you, I mean, you would I've think been, offensively. I've, I've been to be London. They drink a lot in London. I know that. <laughs> yeah. But those are Londoners, not not people visiting. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if it's a, a lack of atmosphere, you know, because defenses thrive so much off the atmosphere, especially at home field advantage. There's, I mean, there is no home field advantage in London. You've got you got fans wearing 49ers jerseys and you know Joe Montana jerseys over you there. You know, I, I I think that is the most overrated. In most thing. sports, it is. But you've been to Bills games. You've well, been you've been to right. Bills. I mean, there is a legitimate. I mean, look at Seattle. Well, it, what, Seattle's probably won half of their half of their home games because of the. the, the what, what it does do it it alters communication. Okay. Right. I mean, the, the loud atmosphere it does alter communication. Yeah. Right? That that but there's it, no denying that can't make that much of a difference. Sure. It can't. Sure. You, you, you wouldn't, not in today's day and age, no. not with the studying schemes, the way athletes are uh, fine-tuned, the way they're prepared to play. Right. It, it wouldn't seem to make that Maybe big the six-hour plane ride just gives offensive coordinators more time to uh, be creative. No, that right? wasn't it. No. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, these were tough games you, to you watch. can be right about atmosphere. Um, you know, the, there's a feel to it. Yeah. Um, I so, think in, I think in the Bears' case, it was just you know the, the the classic. They felt like they had to do too much because Chase Daniel was on the other side of the ball, right? Yep. Sure, yeah. Is that one of the su- most surprising results of the season so far? I, I think to me, you know, particularly the way the game went. Raiders go up, what fourteen nothing. Then the Bears come back, and you're like, okay, all right, Bears came back. That's yeah. so much for that little upset. Uh, hoping then the Raiders wind up winning it, and and you know, again, I think we all had that perception of that the Raiders are a mess and in disarray and. I think we're, what maybe we all need to remember that that Gruden's still a pretty good coach. Yeah, he's got, you know he still knows what he's doing and he, and he has one. a track record. That yeah. Gruden, that, yes. that Gruden, because the other John one got fired. Yes. Fired uh, today. Yeah, I'm, I'm I wouldn't Put be shocked if the if Jay winds up on John's staff by tomorrow anyway. Sure. Um, but, but by the way, real quick on Jay Jay Gruden. Yes. So he gets fired by the Redskins. I mean, they're terrible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The football team's terrible. Don't you think that firing had something to do with the quarterback decision? What's the um, point of firing him? It, to me, to well, the me, video, the video that surfaced, right? But that sure. was from what years ago? Years right? ago, right? Matter of fact, uh, Barstool Sports that we had it years ago. It's from Saratoga. Like he's trying to say, it's from, we didn't put it out right. because of whatever. But it that doesn't matter. Yeah. The football team's terrible, right? Dan Snyder, uh, listen, he terrible. He loves firing people. <laughs> right? I don't know if he loves firing, but that's his MO, right? He's the Steinbrenner of uh, the NFL. Without the wins. Without the without the wins, yeah. sure. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, I, to I, me, to me, does general I, football care? No, no one cares. The no. Redskins right now are an afterthought. Yeah, and that's right? that's that in itself is kind of sad. It too. is sad. Um, Story to franchise. Me, to me, the Gruden thing smacks of you drafted a quarterback who who clearly is not ready to play yet, but you're on a franchise that's falling apart, has no 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 one is excited about, and there had to have been some pressure from Dan Snyder and ownership to play Haskins now, and I'm sure Jay Gruden being a being a Gruden said he ain't ready yet. I'm not playing him. It's my decision and probably going with McCoy this week instead of Haskins was probably the last straw. This feels a little like Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it a it little does. bit like that where Jer- Jeff Fisher sort of took the <laughs> took the sword for that team yeah. and then all of a sudden you know, and, and what, four months later they're phenomenal. And, and I think what you have to understand, and Kevin will back me up on this because we've been around veteran coaches, sometimes the last thing they want to do is be told what to do, particularly when they know they're on their way out. See, Particularly Barry. when they know that that I'm getting fired here, I know yeah. it, but I'm going out my way. And if and and if you don't like it, fire me. Yes. Or John Jay Gruden says, I know you're firing me. Do it now. Or here's what I'm going to do to make you do it now. Because I'm telling you, all jokes aside, he's probably on the staff with his brother in an, by the end of this week, and he's spending the year be, resurrecting his career, doing back being an assistant coach. I rep- two things and uh, two things in that one like Barry Melrose with a lightning not playing Stamkos great situation thing, there yeah same deal like his kid's not ready hey yep. play the guy I'm not gonna play the guy they can him um, now he's a Hall of Famer by the way <laughs> yeah Stamkos is an incredible player but but Bel- Melrose was right he wasn't ready to play in the NHL yeah, there's something to that he's drafted number one overall they felt like they had to play him and uh, that's hockey now um, Jay Gruden I still remember him I did arena football. Mm. And he was the coach of the Orlando Predators. That seems about right. Yes. All of that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the Orlando Predators. Jay I think Gruden. I did one of his college games when he played in Louisville. Mm. I might have broadcast one of his college games. All so right. You were talking, last thing on coaching, you were talking about how the, you know, the older co- coaches are sort of being pushed out. We're seeing that more and more in baseball, and it's because of front offices and analytics driving, yes. the, driving yes. the wheel. No question. Right? I mean, if right. you're not willing to basically be a puppet, <laughs> you know, that takes numbers and then, you know, it's, it turns that into a nine-man roster you're every day. You're talking about Joe Madden, right? Clearly, well, that's part of an example most, there, right? Most of the, uh, the, this, the you know, the, the previous generation coaches aren't, the, aren't here anymore. You want young guys who sort of played a little bit in the analytics area who, who understand this works and they just sort of take, take or the Or understand advice. what the role of a manager is now and it's not exactly. really it's to not be in charge sergeant. anymore. Yeah. Drill well, sergeant. I don't even not even drill sergeant, Mike. I just ultimately it's Decision my maker. sense is you're not making the lineup anymore. <laughs> right. You're not making decisions anymore. The guy with the laptop is telling you who to play and what to do and when to yeah, do Jonah it. Jonah Hill is. And yeah. Joe Yeah, Jonah Hill is. And Joe Madden is like, I'm not listening to that guy. And I'm sure that's what Jay Gruden is like. I'm not no. I'm a I'm gonna coach for 30 years. I know when a guy's ready. He's not ready. I don't care what you tell me to do. That's right? Good. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That is dead bang on. Yep. Uh, Mike Vrabel, they're having this conversation about Mike Vrabel today mm-hmm. in Tennessee. His kicker stinks. About all the F-bombs he yeah. dropped Well, no, that, but, but, but line, his kicker missed field goals. He lines it to kick a 50-some-odd yard instead of going for it. Yeah, I uh, agree. Fourth, that's, fourth, on fourth. V- that's on Vrabel. That is, that's on Vrabel. <laughs> that's on Vrabel. I mean, Frank right? Reich should give him a call because Frank Reich's got this fourth down thing figured out. It's just he's, he's Did you an hear an- them talk about that last time? He took a- the shot of the two analytics guys in the press box yes. on the headsets. Yes. The headsets part was what, like, whoa. It's happening like, real That time. really was a whoa <laughs> moment for me. Yeah. And then Collinsworth proceeds to talk about how at the beginning of every series, yes. those guys are running the numbers. Um, it's it's That's pretty amazing yeah, to Frank me. Reich is ahead of the game right now, for sure. And it's, we saw it last night. <laughs> but no, he's, pa- Paul's excitement over it, the headphones? No, it's Revenge of the Nerds. Come on. This is a no. nerd show. I, I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. I understand. Listen, as I tell my kid. I tell my kids, my you know, the, the, bring up nerds. I'm like, nerds are cool, man. Yeah, Hang around cool, with the nerds, man. you know. Yeah, right. And my dad, my kids, are, I might be a nerd, dad. I'm like, fantastic. Nothing right. wrong with being a nerd. Nothing wrong with no, being a nerd. It, it, to me, Mike, just <laughs> no. Think- but I'm just saying because when you think about it, we're, we're talking about a sport that is the the ultimate testosterone sure. oh, yeah. sport. Exactly. But the guys who have figured it out are the nerds, yeah, right? Yeah. No I, I just thought there was and a by the way, just more, one more separation. One more point. There's a super nerd that played football, Urschel. All right, John Urschel, right. right? Okay, yeah. so, it, you know, uh, the stereotype nerd is not perhaps a stereotype right. nerd. Yeah, I think the point that I just thought there was a little more separation 
Um, and maybe that was a wrong perception on my part that that the analytics guys maybe they're in the coaching booth and they're telling the coach in the booth what he should be doing. But to have those guys on the headsets, See. and I assume right to Frank Reich, because why else would you yeah, have the oh, headsets yeah. on? Sure. See, Paul, that that to me was a little bit of a line that I wasn't sure had been crossed yet. I I can't believe that more teams haven't gone that route because you know I mean you you see me work here you know spot oh, yeah. right. this stuff could not be more fluid. All of the numbers could not be more fluid. Every single instance changes everything. You know what I mean? So uh, those guys have to be crunching every play based on you know time remaining in the half. You know the the wind direction. All of that stuff matters. It, it, it's just a it's a huge giant algorithm that I'm sure they've sort of perfected based on their own capacities, right? Because you know if you're a passing team versus a rushing sure. team, all of that changes. Injuries change everything. Yeah, yeah. Instantly. I mean, if somebody goes off the field, instantly. What if Christian McCaffrey goes off the field in Carolina? That entire game plan has to change, and sure. you don't want the head coach doing that because he's doing he's you know his capacity is already maxed out with other things. So right. you need guys in his ears saying this is how we're going from here out. I, it, it's going to be the way we do everything. In my well, opinion. I I think you need uh, the options, the numbers presented to the coach. There'll 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 be room for hunch and feel. Yeah, right. I, I wonder, Kevin. I wonder if it's going to because be they're the not coaches. robots playing. But I wonder if co- if there are certain coaches who will say, "Give me the numbers and I'll make the decision," sure. or if, if there are some that just say, "Tell me what to do." You know what I mean? If if, if there's a relationship that, yeah. that that works, I I wonder if that's just one thing that one less thing they want to handle. Do you know what I mean? Especially on a fourth down. Well, fourth and two. Sure, fourth and two. Tell me what to do. What What do the numbers say here? Yeah. The numbers say go for it. You yeah. got a whatever sixty percent chance. Blah, blah, blah. But but hey, we've got this quarterback rattled. But like so, there's other that. That's where the coaching part comes in. The decision making sure. comes into it. What I what I think is input is needed, and the smart coaches take the input mm-hmm. and then make the decision, right? And then this the the day spent Monday. All right, going through all right, whatever, all your recommendations uh, from analytics department. What ones did we go sure. with? What didn't we go right. with? Accountability day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What worked? What didn't? Okay, hey guys, you know what? This uh, your, your recommendations worked forty five percent of the time. You know, we need to be more or, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe it works seventy five percent of the time. I'm going to go with you more, right? I mean, just no question. So, because uh, if it were played by machines, then you just go with the numbers all the time, right? Played by humans, there's injuries involved, there's fatigue involved, all those things, and that's where they look at quarter numbers and all those things. They crunch numbers, right? I'll say this. The the baseball season we just saw, I think, plays into exactly what you just said. I think a lot of teams played the numbers with their bullpens. 100%. Sure. Tell me me who to put in against which batter, and and I'll do it exactly how the numbers say. And the bullpens sucked. (laughs) Every bullpen this year sucked. So I wonder... If that's what was driving the driving force, and I wonder now if there's a winter being spent now saying, okay, we're, we need to evaluate everything and figure out where emotion needs to come back into this. Do you know what I mean? Like, what? I need to look this guy in the eye and, before the game and say, yes. is he dead to me or not? Because if he's if he's dead to me, then I don't care what the numbers say. You know yeah, what I mean? Right, well, you know, I wonder if that gap exists right now. Well, and that's why I need the human there to go say, hey, I, I know you want me to go with Johnson on the pen, but yeah. I looked at the guy. He has 17 beers left. Yeah, exactly. you know? I was going to say, he looks hungover as <laughs> Where's hell. Where's the analytics well, for that? To me, <laughs> right. to me, that's where this is all very interesting because we've made the shift towards the analytics. Are we going to make the shift back? Slowly. How, you know, who is going to be willing to make the shift back? Uh, you, you know, again, there are lines that are drawn. There's power struggles. You know, if the analytics guys feel like they have all the power now, you know, going back to feel, quote unquote, yeah. is going to be very interesting. Well, didn't the Colts get knocked out because of a fourth down decision last year? Am I remembering that Well, they that got correctly? destroyed for what? Did they, what was a fourth down? Right? Yes, was, yes, yeah. in overtime. It was an yeah. It was an overtime. They went for fourth down in overtime. That's right. Yeah, and, and that, didn't make. I'm sure that right. was analytically driven. Right? Yes, I mean, so you're yeah. going to have your pros and your cons. But and Reich was under fire, but he he said, "Hey, this is this is what we do." What got us here, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you dance with uh, who you brought. Yep. Um, Anything else from is there a bigger sample size? Is a big enough sample size for Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew? Ugh, is there? Ju- it's just fun, isn't it? Right. It's just really fun. I mean, Gardner Minshew is a real deal. Yeah, I mean, he can throw the deep ball. He's got your dink and dunk figured out. He can move around a little bit. Talk about a feel guy, right? He, I mean, he looks and feels exactly <laughs> like Nick Foles, doesn't he? I mean, could you well, have a more perfect look like, backup? Doesn't look, look like Nick like, Foles. I mean, on right. the field, of course. Hel- helmet on, <laughs> right? Uh, with all apologies to Nick Foles, yeah, he's a cool Nick Foles. Yeah, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, hard guy not to root for. 
for sure. Yeah, both these guys. What a surprise, Minch. You know, again, uh, when we, you know, when you looked at the coming into the draft, there isn't anybody that no. thought he was a guy who was going to be who had the potential to become a legitimate starter. And I think we're still early to determine all of that either. But but here I think is an example of playing in in this ridiculously high caliber passing offense of which most people don't think translates to the NFL, right. but what it may have done for Gardner Minshew is given this incredible understanding of the passing game, uh, you know, to, to, to how it works and what works best. And as long as he has some ability to execute that, well, I will he's say this, been Paul, effective. He does seem cerebral, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I that's mean, what I mean. And that's step one, especially as a backup, because you're just sitting there taking in all this information. Right. You're really not putting it, you know, putting it on the field yet. I'll say this too. I mean, I mean, we evaluated quarterbacks a million times on these shows, you know, before the season. Being Nick Foles' backup ain't a bad job, right? Because no. that guy gets hurt. That's true. He's, you know, he's on a two-year deal essentially. I, I mean, that's a pretty good spot for him to be in. So now showing that he can do something, right? He's either a an incredible trade piece. I mean, somebody's going to take a shot if they need to, with if injuries pile up after the off season. I'm saying. Uh, or you know, why would he, he waits in line? Yeah, I mean, well, we've seen a lot of just, teams do it. You know, the other great part is his name's not like Frank Matthews, right? <laughs> you know, Joe Smith. Yeah, Joe like Smith. his name. He's got a cool name. He's yep. got the cool look to go with it, and he's playing cool right now. But right. Kyle Allen, that's that's a name. That's kind of a boring name. Yeah, but it's yeah, a quarterback. It's forgettable. It's a quarterbacky name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, Gardner Minshew's a yeah. personality, uh, which he clearly is. Uh, Pittsburgh, boy, they've. Boy, it's anytime you you got to play your third quarterback, you're you're in trouble. They need to join period. the Bengals and Dolphins, don't they? In in the the tank. Well, yeah, but the talking point with them is they gave up their first round pick right. for Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. So what the hell are we doing here? What the hell were they doing doing that? <laughs> you know, because that was after Ben. Now got they hurt. can't even tank because right. there's no reason to tank. Yeah, but but see, they're different because because they do have potentially two quarterbacks coming back who, you know, the, the difference in, Oof, in Pittsburgh. That, that Rudolph well, hit, man. Well, but the, 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 the difference ugly. there is that, you know, if Roethlisberger's healthy, he, he could come back and play another oh, couple of they, years. He will uh, be it, back. Has Mason Rudolph back. done enough to make you feel like when he's healthy? And that, you know, we don't know the extent of what that injury is. So the difference in tanking there or, or playing for the draft is that you don't necessarily need to be in position to pick a quarterback at that point. Well, what they've done right... What, what, True. What, You're what, right. You're right. What looks to be is the Dolphins are going to have two great picks. Yeah. Right? Yes. Well, that too. Uh, yeah. It's just be, because of that trade. Uh, but but here, let's let's carry this out 16 weeks with Pittsburgh because you're right. That's a great point that they're not going for a, a top five quarterback here. No. Um, most likely. So, most likely. They, they, so there's no, they don't need to. They can they grab may, a wide receiver or right. a cornerback, probably a secondary piece. Um but is Tomlin taking the fall for this? Are we, is Ben going to finish up his career, his last year, Boy, without that's Tomlin? A, that's a great question. Is that how this all ends? Well, I how mean, can they're, Tomlin they're take the fall? patient there. I, I how, don't know. How can he take the fall? Their franchise quarterback, their Hall of Fame quarterback is out. So why why are you going to blame the coach and then your backup quarterback, whom you, you spent a draft pick on and have groomed, uh, got knocked out I mean, yesterday? Minus Le'Veon Bell, minus Antonio Brown, minus Ben Roethlisberger. That yeah. should be enough to save his job. I is, don't know. is anybody don't know. anybody missing? An, I mean, you miss Antonio Brown on the field, but he's quickly forgotten about, it, hasn't he? Yeah. Like I feel even I feel filthy even mentioning his name because yeah. it's it's irrelevant now. No question. And the Bell situation. Uh, so no, I I think I I think he survives. So it's also Pittsburgh too. Let's, right. Let's they don't fire people. Right. They, yeah. Let's understand that. <laughs> All right. Um. And boy, uh, looks like the Saints have things figured out, right? That was a Sean fun game. Payton. That was a fun game. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater did a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, he's he's in an interesting spot, and he was in this spot eighteen months ago, right? Yeah, where boy, he sure made that work, didn't he? He did. We all kind of wondered why is he staying. He didn't take a little bit more money to go somewhere else because he really liked being in this offense, even if he wasn't a part of it yet. But here he is. He got the opportunity. He's got three more weeks probably here to get himself a long term contract. And, and give him a real shot to be the next Saints quarterback. And I think that's probably how everybody wants this to play out. It just – you knew Sean Payton was going to figure this out eventually. He's just too brilliant of a so, mastermind So is there a decision coming at all? With, I mean, with, with, with Breeze versus with this Bridgewater. Year? Oh, no, I don't not think this year. year. Next year and this next offseason. Well, now, Breeze, now Breeze doesn't have a contract. So. All right, is Bridgewater under contract? No, no. neither of them are. Okay. So it's kind of a clean slate. They well, can figure so there's this still out. a decision coming then, For right? sure, for sure. But I'm saying I think Bridgewater can play himself into a contract here. 
No? In New Orleans or somewhere else? I think in New Orleans. Why, well, why, that's why, what I'm saying. Why would he want to leave New Orleans? Yeah, if, with, well, yeah. But, but if they're, but I mean, are they done with Breeze? Yeah, I, I would think. If they're not done with Breeze, then why would Bridgewater want to stay, continue to stay? No, I would think it's time for the Saints to move on from Breeze. Which is that's what I'm asking. You know, I don't know if you're able to do that. That's right? what I'm asking. I mean, do you that's abandon that's, your fan base. That's by doing still that? a big move. Sure. Oh yeah, sure. And then obviously Bridgewater is going to want to go. Well, what's happening here? Because now there's no question he can go out and get himself a, a great starting job somewhere else. Breeze calls the shots, there, boys. Come I on. would think so. No question. I would think so. All right, now it's time to get into some big picture stuff yeah, here. Well, this is this is going to be a fascinating literally pictures. Fascinating discussion. <laughs> literally pictures. Well, it's a podcast, Paul. No one can see the no, pictures. No, well, we're going to get to that. No, because I'm right. sure Mike has got pictures that he gave us ready to go out on spot tracks. So. Let me take a little inside baseball here. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, you know, sets sets the agenda on this and does fantastic research because frankly Paul and I are lazy. And but you know, Mike has come up with some topics here with the big four sports and I don't know how we're going to fit this in the next 40 minutes, but we're sure as heck going to try a lot of talking and this, we're going to talk about luxury taxes first with NBA major league baseball and discuss if they're working because a couple of things, both leagues have a repeater tax fine. Yeah. I mean, they've adjusted these, these taxes to sort of become more, you know, stricter, essentially stricter, because teams were abusing, abusing the fact. Them. Yeah. They, they, didn't, they didn't think twice about having to pay luxury taxes. I mean, let's let's just talk about the baseball. Even right now with baseball, if you, if you go $30 million over the luxury tax in baseball, it's a $7 million fine. Is that really any, no. Does that really matter to anybody? No I mean, are the Red Sox really struggling here? No. The, only, sure. the only time in both leagues, NBA and Major League Baseball, where it gets dicey is if you, if you, if you do it twice. If you go over the tax threshold two years in a row, it du- little more than doubles your fines. And then it starts to get real nasty. Right. Then you can get into real some real heavy fines. Like with basketball, at, at one point in time, Oklahoma City owed like $60 million, <laughs> right? Because they were just destroying it. I mean, everybody was making $30 million on that on that roster. So where does that money does go, by the threshold. way? It's a great question. Is it it's revenue great, share? It's revenue. It's revenue. Yeah. Okay. But, but I, I don't know. So how, they get some back. My question is, I'm, if it's revenue shared, I, do they get some back? That, that's something I have never been able to uncover. Okay. Because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, but if it goes into general league revenues and there's a revenue share, yeah. I mean, I don't know what their structure's like. I just know in the NHL, um, what used to be, I used to see, I, I had access to the list. The revenue list? The revenue list. And you could see the teams that qualified for revenue sharing, the teams that didn't, and the teams that put in, right? And and Paul remember this. There used to be a Canadian assistance fund. Remember? Yes. The U.S. teams. The Canadian dollar was. Yeah, the Canadian dollar is half the U.S. dollar. The U.S. teams paid into a fund to to lift up the Canadian teams. We're going to get to that. And now. Now it's reversed yeah. where the Canadian teams, because, you know, hockey is it in Canada. Um, they, despite the NBA champion being in Toronto, uh, <laughs> they uh, have three of the top five gener- revenue generating teams. And you know, so they pay in to help lift up the other teams like Arizona. For I would example. imagine. But anyway, I'm just, I would imagine, Kevin, the teams who go over the tax aren't involved in the revenue share. You, you'd think, you right? Know, Dodgers, Red Sox, you know, they're not getting any, <laughs> any pocket change from the Rays. So. I would think that you know it's you know the rich paying the poor, so it's, right. that tends to work. Um, I just wonder. I wonder if they're strict enough. I wonder if they really should even exist. I mean, look at especially in baseball. The reason I brought this up with baseball is we're heading into the free agency season here, and we've we've had two straight free agency seasons where the money just isn't there. You know, certainly Harper's and Trout's and Machado's got their money, and that's fine. I don't. That'll never change. You know, your superstars are always going to get paid by somebody, but. There's a there's a big middle class gap right now in Major League Baseball, and I'm, I don't know if it's good or bad for the game. But what I'm what I'm saying is teams are just teams aren't tanking in Major League Baseball. They don't have to tank. They just don't have to pay. Right. They just they, they can choose to not pay. They can say we're going to keep guys on you know their six year rookie scale because those guys are damn good, right? I mean we're, we're seeing you know eight nine man rosters being put out there with more than half of the players on pre arbitration. Less than a million dollars. I mean, yeah. that's and when that's the Rays and teams like the Rays and Twins right. win by that's not bad spending, for all then, of this. then there's <laughs> yes. no quibbling in all of that. You it's can't say, well, if you, you're not spending, well, we're winning. Oh, uh, Man, yeah, okay. we re- we literally relived the Moneyball movie this year. Yes, you you saw the Red Sox literally crumble and, and 
just and gut their front office because again they saw Oakland and Tampa get in on their payrolls and the Red Sox had 220 million invested in 2019. So you literally saw that movie play out. Those those high paying teams are miserable with having to pay 200 million more than everybody else and not you know and the proof isn't in the pudding. So I. It, it's a bad spot right now for money in baseball because, like I said, nobody's trying to tank. They, they don't have to try. It's just built into the fabric of the game right now. Um, and if the luxury tax is $206 million, right, and you've got teams in the playoffs who are making or who are spending 60 to 90 on average, well, we're not even, that's a big, that's too big of a gap. Something's, we, we need to force baseball teams to spend money. Is my, is my point. We need to, we need to so get you need them a floor. to spend more money. You need a floor. There's a floor. There's a floor, and, and everybody's okay there, but that gap is too big, too, in my sure. opinion. Um, I just There needs to be a way to get teams to want to pay a little bit more for the middle class, whether it's extend your rookies earlier, which we're starting to see. You know, I expect Pete Alonso to get a contract offer from the Mets. Sure. Since, you know, he's not going to make $600,000. Pete, if I'm your agent, I am definitely kicking yeah. down the door yeah. for one. I yeah. mean, you made more money in the home run derby. I say, I say this every podcast, yeah. but... That's just asinine to me that he made a million bucks the home run derby, and it's four hundred fifty grand more than his salary. Yeah, it's that's nuts. crazy. It's it, you're right. That is crazy. That is crazy. That, that a competition yes. mid season right outpays his salary. Um, but that's my that's my point. We're we're getting more and more to that side of the Pete Alonso of the world. Are, there's more coming, right? I mean, sure. I mean, there's more coming. There's plenty of minor league baseball players who are figuring out the launch angles and you know all of that, and that's all it takes right now. That's all it takes is to figure out the analytics of your swing. And if you can come up here and, and pop 30 home runs, you're finding your way on a roster because you only cost $600,000. And if that continues to happen, then the guys that used to make 16 to $18 million are now making 8 to 9 on one-year deals. That's a big, big jump. That's a big gap problem. That's a big spending problem for uh, a lot of these veterans who have gone through six years of rookie wage scale and now need to be paid, truly. The... You know, NBA to me is a little different than totally Major League Baseball because totally of different. the recruiting that goes on, the teaming up of players and the stars going to certain teams. The, the ability to sign one player and change your franchise that that that's. But 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 the problem is you, you don't just sign one player now, mm-hmm. right? You 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 bring two in, you bring at three least, in, right? And so the, the teams that develop those players. Can't keep them. New Orleans, Anthony Davis, right? Mm-hmm. An example. You can't keep Anthony Davis. Now they got Zion uh, in a draft, and somehow it's news that he caught an alley oop in practice. <laughs> Did you guys see that? I saw it. I saw I'm it. I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, let's just start these games. Lonzo Ball threw an alley oop to Zion Williamson, and they kept replaying. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's, that's an example where we have too much time to fill on television when we keep showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this just ends. Well, we have too many agendas of names to make sure that saying, whatever they do, we have to make a big deal. Zion Williams can jump out of the gym. Yes, he can. Fantastic. But right. anyhow, we digress. Back to the, the conversation at hand. You know, that New Orleans, Anthony Davis doesn't want to stay in New Orleans or they can't keep him yeah. um, to stay, to keep their star power. And to me, that's, uh, you know, I think that's a problem. The players aren't going to say it's a problem because they want freedom. I get it. I, I get their point. They want to be able to make their money. They want to be able to um, go where they want to go. But I I, I don't know. I, I like the NBA better when you knew each team had a star player. Okay. You know, my, my star is going to go against your star, and these other players are going to be developed and, and, and come up to. And, and maybe we draft another star to go along with this guy. I, I actually think we're having a parallel conversation here, though, with how teams are spending versus the player empowerment era. Sure. Because the NBA is in this player empowerment era, and it, it is driving tons more spending. Yes. Because New Orleans might want to pay Zion Williamson, but he might not want the five-year max extension there. Sure. Right? He might take a LeBron James one-and-one. But if Zion Williamson goes to the team he wants to go to, right? Let's say he goes to the Clippers in four years. He's happy to sign as, as big as, as he wants there because he's happy. He's going to a spot he wants to be in. He's happy to sign there. Teams are willing to pay him the max contract, obviously. But that's happening even with your third, you know, your third stringers, right? Sure. Because you're filling holes. It's like an NFL lineup, right? You need, a, you need a, an edge rusher, and then you need a guy who can cover in, in the linebacking court, right? The same things are happening with NBA rosters right now, where you need a three-point shooter, you need a guy who can you know, protect the rim. There, there's no positions. It's just it's sort of a you know built on on your abilities to do certain things, um, and then you put two superstars in the middle and you're good to go. So all of those guys have actual valued roles, and 
because of there's so there's so much movement, you're willing to pay. You're 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 forced to pay a, t- a bigger price tag to get those guys in. So when you need a three, when you need a JJ Redick, right, a, just a, a lights out three point shooter, his value is max because you're not asking him to come in and be a complete player, right? You need him for three pointers. You know if four other teams want him. There's just there's a maximum value on specific skill sets in the NBA and the the movement from team to team that the players are being are choosing is forcing teams to, to overspend. We saw that we, we used to see that in the NFL a lot with free agency. The NFL free agency used to be gigantic, right? You used to see a ton and ton of players hit it. We don't anymore. And, and this is sort of the uh, a converse conversation to dynasties. Dynasties are gone. Because of all the movement, they're gone. And the luxury taxes are the biggest reason that dynasties can't happen anymore, right? Think about the Red Sox. Two years ago, they won the World Series. They had all these young kids and a bunch of veterans. They're, they're dead. That team's gone. They might trade Mookie Betts in a month. I mean, they're completely blown up two Which years after winning the World Series. Blows my mind. And they didn't make right. the playoffs this year. I mean, they, it, they completely turned 180 in, in a matter of 18 months. And it's generally, I mean, all of the reasoning they're giving is because they don't want to pay this luxury tax anymore. So if that's the reason that the, that the Red Sox can't stay together, then is this wrong? I, Do we want dynasties? I in always sports? love this discussion. I always love the, and this this goes back thirty years. Whenever anybody who's listening to this started following sports, it's a great discussion of do we like dynasties or not. But money is um, driving it now. Paul. Well, right. No, you're, and, there's and in, no question. And in the NBA, but the it's concept backwards. itself is still: is, are dynasties good for professional sports or not? Yeah. Is it good to have a team that everybody hates, that everyone aspires to be, that you almost Almost no is a guaranteed ratings grabber, attention grabber, mm-hmm. winning franchise, or is it better if everybody is sort of within a game or two of each other? Let's think about this from football. Fantastic, uh, you know what? It, it's a great let's, topic. Let's, let's talk about this from football, and I'll give you. I'll, give, I'll tell you why. Because we have the only dynasty we have right now is football. And why? Uh, I would say the Warriors may qualify. I, I'll, I'll get back to that. Let's talk football for now. Of course, we have the Patriots. Right. Okay. Why, but why do we have the Patriots? Why do we have the Patriots as a dynasty? Well, because of Tom Brady. Because of Tom Brady, because of the two greatest coach and quarterback in NFL history, and Keep because going. of the way they do their business. Okay, that's right. It, we, we, we beat it to a dead horse. Everybody talks about it all the time, but it is the single reason that the Patriots can stay together. Tom Brady takes half the salary Correct. every two years. Correct. Look at it's it's not a gimmick. And he's it's Tom not Brady. a gimmick. It's not all about of the salary. It's because of, of course, but Aaron Rodgers is doing this. It's because of who he is and his ability to elevate everything around him. Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback yes. than Tom Brady. He always has been. But he doesn't necessarily have those that knack. And he crushed their cap last year. Yes. Destroyed it. He destroyed their salary right. cap last year. He's making $70 million over an 18-month span. Tom Brady never did that. Nope. Never did that. Nope. And you can you you can poke holes in this as much as you want, but there is a direct correlation between the way he has done his business for, from a contract standpoint and the and the ability. But of part that of that, Mike, together. is because he came up and became a star before this was as I I want to say before grabbing as much money as you can grab was maybe as yeah, pressured but, and prominent. But as Paul, it is he was now. a sixth round pick. If anybody well, needed so to go and get the big contract, from a lower place. If, he, if anybody needed to go and get a slam dunk contract, it was him, right? I mean, he, he's just he just got it. The, or either somebody got into his ear from a Patriots standpoint or from an agency standpoint and said, "This is how we're going to do this because you being with this franchise is just going to make sense." So, somewhere along What's the, line, the highest? It here's homework for you, unless you know it off the top of your head because you're stupidly, ridiculously smart <laughs> like this. What's the highest ranked? In payroll, Tom Brady was ever in his career. Yeah, he's. You know he, what I'm saying? Was he, was like he ever 10, the number 12. one highest paid quarterback? No, no. Was he? What was the no. high? Was he ever higher than like five? No, no. And that's what's funny. They tried to make him that this year with smoke and mirrors. Right. Remember that extension he signed? Two for seventy. Yeah. Yeah. It was one for twenty three. That's what it is. So they okay. tried. To, they tried to make the headlines so he, make him a high. Never <laughs> at any point has he tried to or succeeded no. in being the highest paid quarterback. So that tells me that he's never really wanted to or desired to because he either felt or saw the benefit of what it could do for the rest of the people. Look, around at, it's him. the benefits smacking us in the face here yeah. in Buffalo. I mean, yeah. we know what the benefit is. Well, <laughs> so here, here's the fascinating thing to me. Uh, what this discussion about Tom Brady and the dynasty of yeah. the page. So first of all, I want to say I, I think dynasties are great for sports and the interest in sports. Okay. I, I do. I, I think it's great for ratings. Um, for football, I, I think people 
love or hate the Yankees. I was say, you, you tune in to see them lose, right. or, or you see, right. you know, they, that's important, I, that's strong. I, I think it gives every other team a, a goal to push for. Like we, that's the standard. We need to be that. We need to beat them. Um, I, I think it makes it a big game every week. So I, mm-hmm. I think dynasties are good for sports. I think it's good for the interest in sports. Are you, you're good with Clemson versus Alabama Absol- again this year? Uh, yes, I am. I'm starting to sour on that a little. Well, bit. there we go. Yep. I think it's I think it's fifty. I'm starting well, to sour. I really college football. College football separation yeah, is starting to sour me a little bit. Well, you know, we don't pay. Wink, wink. The I athletes. mean, we saw we saw <laughs> Cleveland, Golden State for a bunch of years there, right? Um, we did. Yes, you can argue. There were plenty of Cleveland was. In, I still, I still think it's. I think it's good. Okay, for sports. Okay, I didn't mind that mm-hmm. uh, because we're talking about thirty teams as opposed to one hundred and fifty, whatever college, in college yeah, football, of course, right? Of course. Uh, too big of a. Are we though? Aren't there like twelve? <laughs> All right, maybe twelve. <laughs> whatever. But with with Brady, the fascinating thing to me is you look at the division he was in, mm-hmm. like so. All of this is, I think it's all calculated. And whether he had somebody point this out to him in his own team or he figured this out for himself, because I don't want to, I don't want to take it. I I think he's a pretty smart guy. I mean, he's actually figured some stuff out here. And then the other part when it comes to money, you know, listen, let's not ignore the fact that his wife is an international star. She makes more money than he does. And let's listen, he's, it probably allows him to say, you know what? I don't need to. To make all this money let me, let me for jump me, in on that. And, and I can sacrifice some money. I'm still going to make a lot of money, but I can sacrifice a lot of this to build my brand and my legacy as the greatest right. ever. Perfect. That's exactly where I wanted to go. The NBA players are now publicly basically saying, "What's the difference between 29 million and 40 million to me? What's the difference? They're, they're, it's 11 million. I know, but at the end of the day, it's still a whole lot of money. If I'm making 29 million and I'm happy, right? Then 40 million doesn't mean and a I'm damn in a thing better to me. situation because if I'm happy and I'm winning. That my brand and and everything around me is going to carry the carry the way, the the Patriots way, <laughs> is probably way more valuable to Tom Brady than Giselle's salary or any money he's made playing football. Be, uh, think about it. Think about the cachet he now has for the rest of his it's, life. It's allowed because him of this to dynasty, be who he is because of this dynasty. Yeah. So in that regard, dynasties right. have to be good. Right. And to, to kind of roll it back in, if 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 the financial structure in most of these sports is thwarting dynasties, then to me it's wrong. Then we're doing this wrong. Number one, you should be you should be pushing teams to spend. You, sh- you just should. Money going in is going to be money coming out. That has always been the case in sports. And I don't understand why why the leagues would ever be promoting a Houston Astros or a Tampa Bay Rays system. You know what I mean? You shouldn't want that. It's great to talk about. It's a nice storyline for one day. For one day. People cared about Tampa Bay's payroll for one day. Even I stopped caring. Yeah. And I look at this stuff every single day. Because you, at the end of the day, if they're not exciting to watch, if there's not a brand, if there's not if there's, you can't marketing name a single player them, on the team, no, then it, then what are we doing right. here? I mean, that's where that's where Major League Baseball to me has to do the most work is on the marketing side of this. But from a, but they should be begging for NBA like free agencies. Right. They should I be wa- begging for. It. I want to leave you with one Tom Brady note. This is we won't talk about this today. This is discussion for down the road. I was having a conversation with a college football coach, and we were talking in general concepts about single plays then the domino effects that they have on franchises and programs and careers. And I said to him, I said, well, in my opinion, the single most important moment in professional sports in our lifetime and maybe forever Mm. is Mo Lewis hitting Drew Bledsoe. Because look at what has happened since then. And if you remember the history of it, Belichick wanted to start Brady, but he couldn't because he didn't have enough juice to tell Bob Kraft to take Bledsoe out because Bledsoe was a hero and a star and the owner's favorite. And where would that have gone had that not happened? <laughs> Wouldn't it be a, where a, might that have gone? It'd be such a Brady thing to have Mo Lewis be like his uh, introducer for the Hall of Fame. Yes, <laughs> Tom Brady. So, so tuck that away, Mike, for a future discussion. Is that the singular most important play sure. and moment in all of sports? Forever. <sighs> because Man. without that Man. moment, you don't start the greatest dynasty and greatest coach-quarterback combination we have ever seen maybe in our lifetimes. Yeah. So what was that play worth? 
<laughs> billions, right? Billions. Billions. I mean, it's it worth billions. It's changed sports. For the Patriots. Yes. It's billions. changed the most important popular sport in the world. May have been completely different. Take that play away. Crazy. It's a really cool thing to think that about. Is cool. So maybe next week we'll talk about it more so everyone else can rattle it around in their head because I can see Kevin's wheels turning well, here too. The, the, the other thing I wanted to add about this, and you're talking about spending in, in money and franchises, and mm-hmm. doing so, you know, I, I think for a team like the Red Sox, a team like the Patriots, you look at the market, they're in generational fans. You're born into being a fan there. There are other markets where you're not born into being a fan. I'll take Houston, for example. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a transitional city. It's a huge city. Uh, I think of, uh, I, I thought of the Marlins when you're talking about teams that spend money and then tear it down uh, when they won the World Series mm-hmm. and then they just, you know, uh, got rid of everybody mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, the fans don't care that much down That's there. Right. They, they lopped onto a winner, right? And they came out for the playoffs. And that happens in a lot of markets because they're not generational fan markets. Right. But there are other ones that are. So some, and, some cities so, deserve a dynasty? I, well, I, well <laughs> right? I, I think I think some cities and their fans deserve their owners to spend to try to win. Yeah, right. And I think other markets, they hey, we might be decent. Let's spend now. Let's try to you know catch the the lightning in a bottle here um, and move on. Like I don't ever see the, the Red Sox playing Moneyball just. just it doesn't compute. Well, to they me. don't have to. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yes, they don't have to because the fans are always going to turn out, and their right. their fans will kill them for it. But the right, Yankee, right? but but the, the Marlins kind of playing. I I know they, kind they of did. did. And what if Boston does now? It just seems weird to me. It doesn't seem right. Seem very weird. My, my point though. Right. My point in bringing this up is if 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 that happens, and I think it might happen, then baseball's broken, right? Absolutely. Baseball finances are broken. Yes. If the Red Sox follow the Yankees. And actually decide to break it down and bring in a bunch of kids, right? Then the game is the financial game is broken. And baseball, like the money in baseball, doesn't seem to make sense anyways, right? right? What they pay players until you go to a baseball game, sure, right? See how much you, is happening. Yeah, you go sure. to a baseball game to see how much happened, how much money is flowing out of your pocket, and people are like, okay, I right. see that there's money here in baseball, right? But there there might not be any worse financial structure than the, the first six years of a baseball career. I mean, sure. You just don't make a you don't dime. Make any you don't money. make a dime. Let's talk about realignment in baseball. Yeah. And if here's, it makes here's sense. Where the, here's where the map comes in. Right. There's a map here. It, have you that, posted this on Spot Tracker? Will you? I mean, you sure, I'll tweet it out. I'll tweet okay, it out. Good. You've got. Uh, you know, it's basically trapezoids, parallelograms. <laughs> <laughs> I believe there's a hexagon in there. But you're following, the NFL you're, structure. you're following the NFL structure right. for alignment. So, for example, the Dodgers and Angels would be in the same division along with the Padres, the Giants, and the Mariners. Correct? I just wonder. Look, at in the there's, there's all these studies happening right now, right, about you know sleep deprivation and travel and circadian back, rhythms. Back to, back-to-back games and all that stuff. Right, all, all these sports are going through it, and, and many of them are evolving. I'm not sure baseball really has, and baseball carries this gigantic 162 game schedule. So I'm gonna that, this, too many games. This is the league I'm going to start with. Oh, by the way, they're not spending money, so you know they could stand to lose some revenue, right? Tell that to the union and drop down a little bit. It's not going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen. But you know what I've got sort of laid out here, and if you go down the down the a little bit in our notes here, guys, I've got a scheduling idea that's sort of built out. And this is something that I kind of patched together from a bunch of ideas I've read before. But essentially, you're losing three home games if you drop it down to you know 56, 56 games within your division. Um, or 60 games within your division, 72 games with your conference, right? So American, the American League versus your division, and then 24 games with interleague, interleague uh, teams. So to me, that's the way to go. That's 96 plus No one 60. bats an eye over dropping it to 156 games. That's I can't imagine games. anybody would. No. All it is, that's six games down. Right. But what what you're reducing, and and this is what a point I want to bring up with all these sports. I've got a, I've got something laid out for the NBA too. We we can just sort of uh, breeze over that. But the point of this is, we, and Kevin, you're a hockey guy. The back to backs have to go. Off the back to backs have to go with every sport. It just seems when you've got NBA superstars publicly saying all season long, "I'm not playing. I'm not playing tonight because this schedule sucks." <laughs> you know what I mean? Then then what are we doing here? If those guys are saying that, then they're willing to take a pay cut, right? Yeah, 
They should be. They, they should, should be. be. They should be. They, they should understand that that you know one drives the other. That well, it's going to have to happen. Let's talk about hockey. They went from seventy games to eighty-two games yeah. to create more revenue, so players could be paid more, right? And it's a, it, to me, it's a huge mistake. The product. Mistake. There are nights in the NHL the product is just absolute garbage. Let's start terrible. With, let's start with this. Awful. They start way too early. Nobody cares about hockey in October. Correct. Total. It's way too early. And particularly with the behemoth that the NFL is exactly. right now, that, that has to saying. be part of it, too. That's all I'm saying. Suck it up. Saturation. Realize your situation and go, Let's. Well, the less time we compete with the NFL, the better. Agreed. Uh, absolutely agreed. There used to be. We're, we're in Buffalo. Uh, that's where we're based. Mm-hmm. There used to be time. Paul, you'll remember this. When the Bills were great, they're a good back in the day, Kevin. No, they're a good football team this year. They are. Yes. They're a good football yes, team. Yeah. Uh, four and one. But it used to be, and this is when the Sabers were were good. They made mm-hmm. the playoffs every year. It would, and I I remember going in the radio station WGR. I I I'd cover the Bills. And the Bills would be eliminated. They lose a playoff game, whatever. And we, in our editorial meeting, like, okay, let's get. Uh, and his name's Paul Hamilton. Still covers the Sabers. Let's get Hamilton on to get updated on what the hell's going on with the Sabers. They've yeah. been playing for a couple months. Yeah. No one gives a crap. Right. Just punted on hockey like, for two months. Right. Sabers yeah. season started in January or February when the Bills, the Bills were done. Yeah. yeah, that's when it started. And this is a hockey market. I would imagine most of the shared sport markets do that. Correct. F- football dominates everything. Right. Correct. Um, they need to go back to 70 games. It would take a, a hit in payrolls, mm-hmm. and I, I don't see that. Ha- I don't see players voting for that. Back-to-back games are brutal. The issue with back-to-back games, many NHL rinks also share with NBA sure. rinks and concerts. Yes. It's not as much a travel situation as it, availability. It's rank availability right. uh, mm-hmm. to do so, and to play your games on the weekends where ratings are going to be right. higher, where you can get not only in uh, more so in non-traditional hockey markets to get fans to come out. Listen, Monday Tuesday, Wednesday night games suck. Yeah, nobody uh, wants to go to them. Nobody, I agree. Yeah, right? I, I mean, agree. even in hockey markets, people don't want to go to games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are bobblehead nights. Those are T-shirt <laughs> nights. No, they're, they're to get, get people no to question. go out. Um, God, I remember a game in Phoenix. They gave everybody a uh, a teddy bear from a the, car. No, they gave oh, everybody yeah, a, a like freaking exactly. teddy bear from the teddy bear play. You know, the mall. What's it? What's it called? Build a bear. Build a bear. Everybody got a build a bear. Went to the freaking I girl, game. I have girls. I'm like. Oh, my gosh. Like, the money there is just to get people in the seats uh, to do so. So, yeah, back-to-back games are awful. Mm-hmm. Players don't want to do it. Matter of fact, I'll give the Sabres credit. They're not going to skate on morning game, uh, home games. That's a new trend. Morning skates. Really? Yeah. Eliminating, they may meet, but they're eliminating the skating part, which is... Is that a load management thing? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's an analytics kind of like, what? what's the point? It's, there we it's go. A, it's a tradition rooted in the 50s and 60s yes. that... Doesn't make any more. Well, sense. it was to get players up, get the lactic acid out, and yeah. make sure basically and guys hear the hangovers. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Yeah. You talk to anybody who played in the seventies; they will tell you. Yeah, we had to do morning skates to get the booze out of us. <laughs> yeah. Frankly, players don't do that anymore. Well, let's stay with scheduling here. Baseball starts too early. But also, I want to tell. Right? I want to tell you. There's some Mike. Just real quick. Yeah. So people understand. Um, there would be. And man, the Sabres used to play eight p.m. games on Fridays, home games, and it was awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. And I remember back-to-back nights. So you play, say you played an 8 p.m. home game against Boston in your own building, and you had a road game the next day in Montreal. Do you know what time we'd get in the hotel in Montreal? No. <laughs> three in the morning. <laughs> Sometimes three in the morning. Sometimes three. Because you got to go through customs. Three in the morning, and, you know, you're going into Montreal. Do you think you get favorite treatment in customs? No. No. Um, anyhow, three in the morning, by the time you get to your room, get settled down, players had to be at a skate the next morning at 1130, because home teams would skate usually at 10, 1030. Sure. 11.30, go back, nap, and play a game. You think you're playing peak performance? No, it's not even no, close. Not a, no, you're not set up close. for failure, and you're set up for a bad product. And with 82 games, sometimes you're playing three. Most weeks you're playing three. Some weeks you play four. That fourth game is just complete. It's garbage. Yes. It's terrible. Yeah. All these points are, are exactly why I'm bringing this up, because the NBA is actually taking measures against this. And I'll get to that in a second. I just want your opinion. And the league starts early. Hockey starts early because they, they built in a week off. Like every team gets a week off now um, in the season. So that's usually February, late January, yeah. February. They get, uh, every, late February. Every team gets a week off I, I'm to okay kind of recharge I'm okay and a vacation. That, but shouldn't you just reallocate those days off and not have back-to-backs? 
Absolutely. So then what are we doing here? It's real simple to play three games a week. You play Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Done. Or play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. End of story. What about baseball? We've seen so many games postponed in April because of East Coast weather, yeah. West Coast weather, you know, mid-Central America weather. I, why are we playing baseball in April? Why right? can't we eliminate 20 games? Right. I, I know there's all the record books and all this stuff. Sure. But the record books are being blown I, up no, as yeah, it that's is done now anyway. anyway. That's yeah. done anyway. I, I just think uh, 142 games would be uh, more palpable than 162 just seems so many. Yeah, but the, but it's going to be it, the, the revenue drops, even though all of this stuff Correct. makes sense. It, you know, when you sell a sponsorship for an outfield sign, it's based on how many games and all, all that right. stuff. So now all that numbers have to come down, and somebody's going to go. I don't want to. I don't want to walk away from. But that. you lower. But you lower the supply. So don't you increase the demand? I, so can't you, you charge like the same? It Listen, has, it has to be correct, right? It has to be correct. So the law of supply and demand always wins out here. So even with season tickets, you can still charge the same and say, "Hey, look, yeah, I know you're getting less games, but there's less games here, so the price has to go up here to keep it." And I bet, especially with hockey, I know plenty of season ticket holders are like, I, I can't go to 41 games, miserable oh, right. on a Tuesday night. Right? I'm trying to sell these off mm-hmm, here because right. I can't, I can't go and the, the parking. Oh, I have to go to. 32, whatever. I, yeah. Okay, fantastic. This is certainly a fan discussion as well. Right. Because there's just so much happening. Yes. Right. Well, think about now. <laughs> yeah, this well, is what, peak. What are you watching tonight? Peak. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 hockey game on. There's football game baseball on. There's playoffs. Major League Baseball playoffs. I'm only one yeah. person. Yeah, golf, you know? is, golf and, kicked back up. Right. <laughs> I mean, everything's here. Yeah. So, speaking of money and golf real quick, Kevin Nah, that guy has made so much money in his career. Really? Nobody talks about it. He just won second time he's won this in 2019. He won in Vegas. Nice. Kevin Nah, if you ever look up his career earnings, he'll blow you away. <laughs> he's the Chase Daniel. He's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> better than Chase just, Daniel. Just a quick follow-up. Did we put to bed here the what? realignment ideas? I, I think it makes perfect sense. And the point I think about realignment, Mike, yeah. is interleague play now when it when it has eliminated the 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 lure of not playing across american and national so what's the difference who cares well, we move teams from one league to the other let's make it make let's sense have this, let's have this two minute discussion i don't want the yankees to match in the that same that was be my not? question that's my question Why because not? there needs to be a, a separation no. you're either a yankee fan or a met fan and they should only play a subway series what's wrong with once a, a year decision? some of the great rivalries in sports are divisional rivalries no, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think that, you know what? You can't just crap on tradition. You can't. <laughs> the Yankees and Mets should be able to meet in the World Series. Oh. The, right? Man. I, no? I just, I, they I just, did, and it was think, amazing. They did. I don't did. think. It was amazing. It would I know. be amazing no matter years. what. So, but, I, but, but that possibility should still exist. I, I, I think I'm with you. I'm, I'm not for this exact realignment. I, I mean, the one that stands out. The Tampa Bay Rays, right? You've got the Nationals, and, and the, the Braves, the Rays, and the Marlins. The fact that the Rays aren't already in that division is just ridiculous, right? It's because Tampa came in later. They had to be an American League sure. team. There was an imbalance in the conferences. But the fact that Tampa Bay plays with Baltimore, Toronto, Boston, and New York, and the gap couldn't be bigger. It's literally the north and you know, but the you know, southernmost point of, the, of America. Yeah, so. but you know why that is? I mean, nobody goes to Rays games now. <laughs> It's all the New Yorkers. Right. But those Rays Marlins games wouldn't sell out. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You couldn't give away teddy bears and tickets to that game, Um, which is terrible to say. This is just my way of trying to get the Braves and the Nationals out of the freaking Mets division. Oh, I see your your goal there. So your your NL East East is what? Uh, Proposed. What's your NL East proposed? Yeah, it'd be Philly, the Mets. The, the Expos. The Expos. Because <laughs> they're coming back, it. baby. Yeah. They are coming back. And then it's a toss-up. I, I don't want the Yankees there, but you're going to have to add probably a fourth team to this whole roster. Look, expansion is coming. Portland's getting a team or Montreal's getting a team. So this realignment well, is... Charlotte, the, Charlotte getting a team? Yeah. They're talking I, about Charlotte. There are, there are investments. That, that, there's stadiums being built right now in cities. I mean, expansion is coming, so you can't tell me there's not money. Because we know well, what no, there is there's money in teams. baseball. There's no question um, about but it. My point is also this: whenever there's expansion, the, the talk of realignment comes back into the fold always, yeah. because you, you have to sort of even it out. So I just wonder if this is going to be a real thing eventually, right? I mean, it's very possible that you know that, that the Midwest becomes Colorado, Kansas City, Texas, and Houston, which is a whole different dynamic. Yes, that's a whole different dynamic to baseball if that's what exists. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm okay with the realignment. I just, I just can't have the Yankees and Mets in the same division. I just can't. 
Yeah. And you can't have the Giants and A's in the same division. You have to have that possibility. Same with the Angels and the Dodgers. You have to have that possibility. <laughs> yes, I you don't do. See no, I can't. I, don't be- see I can't believe I'm the get off my porch and long guy, and you're not here. On I this want ball. the Mets playing Trying Pittsburgh to be more and Montreal Kevin. as much as possible. We haven't talked about football schedule. They want to go to 18 games, eliminate pre- right. One well, of the they proposals. said no on the I think 18. it's 17. 17. Now. I think 17 is the working so, possibility. And I wanted I, the conversation I wanted to have was: Does it? Is it? Does it tack on to the year? Or are they going to pull back in the preseason? Oh, they have to pull, pull back. back. I don't think there's any So they're going to start earlier. I think they don't know what to do right now, but I think this was the tipping point year where, where the realization is we cannot continue to do four preseason games. Not only is the product horrible, awful, our coaches don't buy into it, but we can't keep uh, putting this upon the backs of the fans when we know what they're giving them. I mean, how many times in the preseason did you see a promo for a preseason game where it's like, come watch Baker Mayfield and the Browns take on Khalil Mack and the Bears, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, no, neither guy's going to play in this game. So the reason I wanted to bring it up with you, Paul, is if that's the case, if they pull back into the into week four of the preseason to start the year, start the year that's that's a direct conflict with college football. I mean, that well, is kickoff see, you know, the, week the for college football, The problem all right? along in football, the challenge is that the networks are not interested in starting the NBA, the NFL regular season before Labor Day. Right. There's no interest in doing it. The, the numbers aren't there. The ratings aren't there. So the problem in adding a regular season game or taking preseason games away is how are you shifting the schedule, right? Well, so that that's where the problem is. So you're never going to start it in August is, is I think, what you're asking me. Um, so they are going to tack on then in January. Well, they have no choice, right? But And there's... And, and from a network perspective, pushing the Super Bowl even further into February when it's a massive ratings month, they don't mind. They that. do have a choice. They do have a choice. And that's to do what they do on Sundays on Thursday nights. Uh-huh. And that's to have multiple games. Have on, more games? Have yeah. multiple games on Thursday nights. And there's where you add that game. That's not a bad idea. No? That's not, that's a, bad not a bad idea. idea. And so you don't have to creep into. Uh, college football, you don't extend your season. Listen, you you own the first weekend in February, right? You own January and February, and the first week in February. Yeah. Why push it a, a, another week into but it? Why not? What's the what's what does that hurt? I, you're not competing with anybody again. Again, the but, TV networks will go bring it on. If you're going to give us two weeks of football potentially in February and our biggest rating, let me tell you, we're going to be competing with soon. And it's a conversation that we can just kind of glaze over here. But the, the what the NBA is about to do in two years. Is a February mid-season tournament, which is great. This is gonna happen. Love the idea. It's gonna be single elimination. Every team's in, and we just play. It's it's a precursor to March Madness. It's an NBA single elimination tournament. And what does it get? What does it get the teams that win it or whatever? Is it just exhibition? It's gonna gonna be marketed to hell, right? It's gonna be sponsored, marketed to hell. But it's not gonna gonna mean so much money. Be exhibition. It might. It It might. It might mean. Draft position, there, okay. there might there might be some of that built into it, and I think that's player part of it. bonus money, tons of money, yeah, because you're you're going to shorten the season and add that, right? Yeah, you're going to essentially punt on February in the NBA and turn it into this single right. elimination tournament. Well, so regardless but of that, it'll be the week after the Super Bowl. Not if the Super Bowl is February fifteenth. Why not? I think it's going to be right in the middle of it. I think that's exactly when the NBA wants to do this. Look, at the NFL is still going to win. The Super Bowl is going to crush and, anything and, that exists. And the NBA is going to do this instead of the All-Star game, right? Uh, maybe right after. You'll have, it'll be part of it. It'll be part of the weekend, part of the festivities. And then you'll, you'll tur- Here's the other thing. LeBron's never going to play in this, right? <laughs> I mean, you're still not going to have the superstars. But what you can do is you can bring up all the G League guys and all these, you know, all these ancillary players and mix them in with these veterans. You think you won't watch? You're gonna watch. Yeah, but, but you're gonna but, watch for the but, same reason you watch we, March Madness. But yeah, but we because talk. Yeah, but we talk it. about XFL and Amer- Alliance of American Football in that people are not football fans off season; they're superstar NFL fans. So why is that going to be any different? Because they can bet on it and they can do brackets. There's well, tons of money thrown at this thing. Okay. Tons of money thrown at this thing. I just think superstars drive so much of what we talk about. And if you're telling me the superstars aren't going to play, then why are people going to care? College is different. College, the March Madness is different. It's not always driven by superstars. It's driven by the emotional attachment you have to the glory of the tournament and the teams themselves and because I, that's what college is. And I think they can is. create that. I think they can create that. I really do think they can create that. I just I think the Super Bowl stays where it is. I think they maybe you eliminate and, the week off. I think the Super Bowl. I still I, got that two week. Yeah, like the next. Oh, that's week. a good idea. They you could know? do that too. I know they love it for the extra week of hype. But, yeah, but radio but somewhere Row is along dead, the, right? So, somewhere along the line, yeah. well, it, it, the hype I think 
the hype was in a in a in a world gone by when you needed to build it up. That's what I mean. Hype is instantaneous and immediate now. That's, so that's not a bad idea, Paul. You know. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, we we, we want to get a couple more things here, real quick. Sure. Instant replay. I hate it. Real bro. quick. Oh, my is God. The, is the pass interference the single biggest oh. mistake and overreaction to a one, to fans, yes. one fan bases? It's the worst thing ever, and you would expect a league like the NFL to be smarter than that. How about how, about how long it took for the oh. replay in the Ravens-Steelers mm-hmm. game to figure out if a, if a fingernail touched the football? Yep. Are you bleeping kidding me? We're seeing it in baseball all the time. Did, uh, the, did the foot come off the base? Uh, Millimeters zoomed right. zoomed in. I mean, I, I'm done with that. But to your point, I'm done but, with but that. But I've said this to you before, Mike, and I and I know if I can sit on my couch and the network can show me a millimeter by millimeter, frame by frame replay, mm-hmm. then to to ignore that and make decisions outside of that is not the world we live in anymore. And you're fine with that. I don't. I didn't say I'm fine with it because I don't love it either. But I think we we're gonna we would be worse with it if everybody could go look at that, look at hit his fingernail, and they're not going to use that to make their decision. I I wish, you know, I, I I'm gonna say something that no one ever. I feel for the officials mm-hmm. in all of this. Right. It's a super difficult job to do at the speed they do it and the speed they see it in. Um, matter of fact, I love that Troy Aikman pointed out in the Seahawks game on Thursday night and that touchdown catch by Lockett in the corner that the oh, side judge had it. What he goes, you know what? Let's give that guy credit. He saw it and called it a touchdown as it happened because it looked like nothing, an unbelievable throw and catch, and he got his feet down and he called it. And that needs to happen more because we're in a society of just pointing out, oh, you missed it, you got it wrong, you suck, instead of, hey, you got it right these guys get more stuff right than they get no wrong question we're about seeing it. right we're yep. seeing that yeah and i i just uh, we need to empower these officials a little bit more so but that's not but that's so opposite of the world that we live in now, yeah Kevin. Mm-hmm. yeah but listen to us we're complaining oh, we gotta look at every little thing because we don't believe these guys are right at all anyway well but but there are obvious things that are wrong and can be pointed out here but 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 we started this conversation off by talking about feel. There's very little feel left in the world now, and and I I think that's you're telling me, and I and I agree with you completely. Officials are unbelievable, um, but but. I, it's hard to justify in the world that we live in to go to to, to leave anything to feel. It's a completely different game, though. It's a completely different game. In what way? You Knowing mean? that every single frame can be can yeah. be monitored. It's, it, well, it you've changes seen, everything. You've seen how officiating has changed. Mm-hmm. You've seen how those guys... And, and to a lot of ways, what replay is does is, to Kevin's point, just shows you how good those guys are because most of the stuff they get right. Yes. Most of it they get right. But it's changed the game. They don't blow whistles on fumble plays anymore mm-hmm. um, because you're going to let replay decide it. Uh, it. You know, I mean, it's it's... That's it's changed the way everything is officiated and good or bad. I'm not sure. But again, I go back to my point and the the NFL overreacted um, on judgment. See, there's still judgment calls that are involved in some of this. Um, But if I can sit on my couch and watch a game 3000 miles away and feel like I know what happened because of the replay, I don't think you can backtrack from it. I just don't think you can. How bad is it in college football? I mean, you, you, you broadcast yeah. college football. Um, see, the problem with college football is some games have 25 cameras and some games have five. Sure. And and some t- and that, that leaves, you know, so again, I think the college football fan um, leaves more room for interpretation because there isn't likely to be a camera right down the line. Isn't that uh, enough on said? On every play. Isn't that enough said? Um, if it wasn't there, we wouldn't complain? Yeah, but... but <laughs> It's the NFL, you know, and, and, and again, I just I think what the NFL has become and what all these major sports have become is it's hard to backtrack from that. Can, can we just get to the point here? I mean, it's it's a business decision, Paul. Yeah. Every every red flag thrown is another commercial they can bring on. Well, I know that's it's true. Not, it's not. I'm not even sugarcoating that. I mean, that's replays exactly what, brought to you by. There, yeah. were, there were six guys sitting around a table and that's exactly what came out of it. Right. Yeah. How do we make money on this? They're sure. begging coaches to throw flags. <laughs> They're begging for did it. Did you see the uh, the Garrett thing yesterday? How did you watch oh, the that was awesome. Where, Gronk, the, where you can see the where flag. you can see the well before on the play before where you see the linesman yeah. go, well then throw the flag. Yeah. Where he basically you know, because Garrett's it. yapping, well then throw the flag. Well the next time around, he sure did throw the flag. He slammed it and they get called on sports of my conduct on him. <laughs> Gronk spiked it. Yeah. 
All right, let's, uh, Mike, you got some value teams. Yeah, let's just go through the teams real quick and we'll call it a day. I, uh, we, we run our valuations essentially bringing points, statistics, wins, and money all together in one big algorithm that Scott put together, you know, a couple of years ago. And it's kind of, it's kind of working here. Um, but through the four weeks, we're not through f- week five yet. We still got a Monday night game tonight. Um, and then we'll have this updated tomorrow morning. But through four weeks, here's your best value teams based on the money they're spending and the production they're putting on the field. Chiefs, Patriots, Cowboys, Bills, Bears, top five. Mm. Going to be some changes there, there because the Cowboys and the Bears put up some offensive duds this week. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that changes. But I thought the bottom three were maybe more interesting. <laughs> Cardinals, of course. Sure. Because they're spending some money right now. Dolphins are not spending money. They're 31st. They are not last because they're not That's spending a lot be, of money. Though, right? <laughs> the Jets are spending a ton of money to be terrible. And uh, they're hurt. There's a lot of dead salary on that uh, yeah, on that I mean, roster they're on the right third now. Quarterback too. I mean, that's yeah. like I said. You get to your third quarterback, you have about two percent chance of being successful in the NFL. Well, technically, Arizona's on their third quarterback too, financially. Well, I, mean, I blame Lips. There's a lot of Josh Rosen his... on that on that roster still. Right. There's a lot of Josh Rosen on that roster. Right. So, yeah, I, look at the Jets are bad. The Jets are really bad right now, and uh, I bet them to win the AFC East. So I'm going to eat crow on that. <laughs> but hey, but, you had no idea who Sam Darnold was going to kiss. Okay. Right. Yeah. No idea. They're going to be better when he comes back. They're going to be significantly <laughs> Paul, better. I just had an entire show about how amazing the Patriots are. Yeah. <laughs> right? The Jets aren't going they're anywhere not, this year. Well, I didn't say they're going anywhere, but they're going to be Darnold's, – Darnold's legit. They're going to be that, not this better. They, there's two teams right now. There's one undefeated, another one's 4-1 and one in their division. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say they're going okay. anywhere. The trade I said they're going to be better. The trade you know deadline's in 23 days. Yeah. What's the better, what's the better odds? That the Jets win five games this year, or that Le'Veon Bell is traded Ooh. in twenty-three days. Le'Veon Bell's traded. I think it's possible. Absolutely. Interesting. I think it's Had really possible. Why would they hang on to him? He's. I don't think he wants to be there anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You're starting to see like there's rumors coming out of Denver where all those yeah. guys like Von Miller yeah. either are saying they want out, Sanders, or you know, yep. and again, that's another new trend. The season's going to hell. Um, let's blow it up. Let's get value for what we can get. Um, this is because the Jets change their uniforms. Those uniforms suck. <laughs> they do. Their uniforms suck. You don't like the Gotham green? They're awful. Um, I have one quick question for you before we go. Yeah. All right. Did Spencer Strathmore pay too much for Patrick Mahomes? You don't watch ballers, do you? I do. 150 I million watching ballers. 150 million guaranteed. You know, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm going to have a special edition Friday show with a couple of guys from The Ringer who did some real, real re- big research on Patrick Mahomes' money. And we're going to talk about how much this guy should make, how much this ankle injury might get involved, how much, uh, you know, the cap is going to rise versus quarterbacks, the Tom Brady discussion about whether Patrick Mahomes should consider going that route and keep this Kansas City thing together, even though I'm not sure they've got longevity on that roster right now. But I'm going to talk about this. I think I think 150 is probably a little high. It's fully guaranteed, too. A little high. 150 fully guaranteed. Well, I mean, Goff got close to that. Yeah. All right. Prescott wants 140. I look forward to listening to that. Yeah. Want to remind everybody, and if Patrick Mahomes, if you're listening, Patrick, and you get $150 million fully guaranteed, if you're not with Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, you probably should be. Because uh, they empower professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. Learn more. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. For Mike Gennetti and Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Rate us where you find us. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast.